for the events of two weeks ago. This is one of the wood carvings from the chancel in Notre Dame de Paris. Uh, this is the story that we just read. This is Thomas touching Jesus' side. I don't know what condition they're in now. Uh, they are among the oldest parts of the church. People took everything out, couldn't move them. They're around the chancel, around the choir in the church. I know they were spraying that area with water, and I would hope that they have survived, perhaps wet and charred, but uh, it's horrible. They're beautiful. There's the story. It was an important story, and it is the traditional story with which we begin this part of the Christian year. And we begin it because John is saying clearly, I know there is doubt. I know there is fear. I know there's uncertainty. All these things I'm aware of, but yes, many of you now, and he's speaking to the second, third century church, many of you never saw Jesus, but the spirit that he gave is still with us. The reality is as strong as it was back when these things I'm telling you about happened. So be there. Jesus is saying to the disciples, even when I'm not here, go on. You'll find me. And that's our message. And so the particular passage, referring not just to this story, but all the stories of John, was, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Now, having life in anyone's name in the ancient world was a phrase that had far more nuance and consequently far more importance than it does today. We might say it, but it would be sort of casual. When the readers of this gospel read these words, these are written so that you may have life in his name, it triggered them immediately to know this is important. This is something we've got to reflect on, think about, meditate on. And it is, basically because to have life in Jesus' name means that we are living in Jesus' company. That's what in his name, one of the meanings of is his name, in his name at the time. We're not alone. You are not alone. You're in the company of Christ. Never feel that you're outside somewhere. And it's more than just an expression of community. It's an expression of an intimate bond between who we are and who Christ is. Um, it's the source of our phrase, by the way, or it goes back to the same source, is our phrase, don't kill the messenger. In the ancient world, if you were a monarch and a messenger came from another realm with a bad message, you might kill him. And we hear stories about that, and we say, well, why would you kill the messenger? Because the messenger represented and had the power of and the name of and the authority of the one who sent him. Well, I can't kill who sent you, but I can kill you. So it, it's a, an intimate sense of God's presence with us. We are part of that community in which the Spirit of God lives. On my second summer mission field while I was at university, I was sent to the beautiful metropolis of Piers, Alberta. Does anyone here know Piers? One person, out in the fields, no doubt. It's, it's a place you drive through when you're going up to White Court. And when I say drive through, I mean, if you blink, Piers does not exist. The other point was Pella, which was actually a church north of Piers, off to the side of the road on a 
20-degree angle with bats in it. And you wouldn't see that at all, but you'd drive right by it. I went to Piers, and one of the first things I encountered was a dispute in the church. <laughs> Show some surprise, some you know, feeling. Oh, wow. There was a family who was making demands of the church that it would not meet. And it had come to a point of anger, a point of real split within the whole community. Now, the church was taking the position not that we won't do this, but rather if we're going to do this, we need to talk together. We need to get together. You have to explain what you want, and we'll explain why we don't think we can meet those needs. Let's come to some sensible solution. The family was having none of this. And the person to solve the problem was the new student minister who knew absolutely nothing. So I remember driving up the 10 or 20 minutes to their house, and it was just horrible. I didn't know what I was going to say, and I got there, and they were angry. You know, you're Christians. You have to do what we tell you to do. And I found myself saying, and this is almost a mystical experience, and I mean that seriously. You know, what right do you have to say this? Because I am speaking on behalf of the United Church of Canada. Now, I didn't say that with a great sense of self-importance or pomposity or a feeling of superiority. No, I said it as a fact that the community of Christ in this area, and the United Church supports that, have decided that we need to talk more about this, and this is what we have to do, and this is what I am saying. And it was a moment of absolute empowerment. And I no longer feared what these people might say or could do, because, you know, I am here as the representative of Christ's presence in our world. And it was a, it was a wonderful feeling. And I've carried it in moments of crisis and moments of frustration throughout that time and just stepped back. And yeah, I am acting and I'm doing what I do, not because I'm always right or because I'm very powerful or very smart, but I'm doing it to the best of my knowledge in the presence of, in the community of Christ. Social alienation is one of the great problems, especially with the 20- and 30-year-olds right now. They don't sense they're part of a community. The church is even more important to say you are a part of something, something greater than you are. And I must say that you can see if you've known people who have got into a new relationship or are members of a new group, how, how that changes them. I've seen it with my son. He got married. He's got a child. And all these new relationships or it's changing who he is, shaping who he is. And that's what shapes us when we're part of this community, bound to Christ, and we come to see who we are. Second, to have life in Jesus' name means that we are living with Jesus' encouragement. Two, three nights ago, I'm not exactly sure when, I was the last one, as I usually am, coming up to bed, and as I got to the bottom of the stairs up to the second floor, I looked down the big stairway because our bottom floor is finished as well. And I looked down, and there was a light on. I'm tired. I've done a good job today. I've done what I want. I really don't want to have to go down all the way to the basement. It was a weak light, which meant it was way back in the family room or something. I really don't want to go downstairs. And then I had a sense, a voice, a feeling, an idea, I don't know. Something said to me, Grant, is this the kind of person you are? 
You know, I mean, are you a person who wastes electricity? Are you a person who doesn't care about the planet? And I went downstairs, and I turned out the light, and I slept in the basement. No, I didn't. I went back upstairs. <laughs> I did make it back upstairs and do it. To be living in Jesus' name means that as we go through life and we come to those moments when we feel tired, we feel frustrated, maybe beaten, maybe can just confused to a point where we have no future action we can take. As we come to that point in our lives, there are many voices speak to us. We need to pick the voice that is the voice of Christ. And then to do things not complaining, you know, not whining. Oh, I guess I have to go downstairs and put out the light. No, but, you know, I'm doing it because this is who I am. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. I'm doing some Buddhist meditation right now. And one of the questions they raise, without giving answers, frustrating people, those Buddhists, I mean, very, very frustrating people, is where do ideas come from? You know, each day, right now, hundreds of ideas are floating through your head. Random, you know, the movie I saw yesterday, what I did uh, two weeks ago, uh, what should we have for dinner tonight? And they're all there. Some happy, some completely mysterious, some just popping out of nowhere, things we haven't thought of for 30 years. And where do ideas come from? We don't know. It always is a sense of mystery in our lives. Why did I think of that? A good exercise, by the way, and this is an old Buddhist exercise. I'm giving it in a modern form. I want you all right now, within five seconds, to think of three movies. Why did you think of those three movies? Of the thousands of movies maybe you've seen in your life, you thought of those three. Why? Now, you can go home and worry about that later. But I'm saying we have these voices. We have all the ideas that come to us. We need to grasp on in the midst of all those ideas the idea that is Christ-centered. That word of encouragement that says this is what you should be doing. For heaven's sakes, in the most literal sense of that word, go out and do it. And that's who we are. And finally, to have life in Jesus' name means that we are living in Christ's peace. That's what it means. We're in his name. We're in that peace that Christ had. Even at the end, not my will, but yours be done. I'm, I'm, I can do it. I'm at peace. Now, when I originally wrote this slide, that's not what it said. It said to have life in Jesus' name means that we are living in the power of Christ. Isn't that better? Wow, you know, that's, you wanted to end all my sermons here. There's what you want to hear. We are living in the power of Christ. And then maybe we'd have thunder and lightning flash and the theme from the Avengers play. You know, I mean, it'd be just wonderful. <laughs> but thinking of everything I just said, that's not where the power or that's not where the heart of Christ is. The heart of Christ is in that sense within ourselves of peace. That's when we understand things. That's when everything suddenly comes into focus and we can go, yep, I know what it's about. And that is when we do have that sense that we are a part of something greater. Not only community, but a, a spirit moving in the world that's much greater than our own desires, our own thoughts, our own self-centeredness. We get it when we realize that we are these kind of people. And this means that our options are cut down. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean a good way that we, we can center ourselves on what we really should be doing in the world. We should be 
lawning the grass and flowering the garden and a lot of the things we get excited about and bothered about and worry about way off there don't really matter at all. We have life in Jesus' name. There is authority there that we do have a, a power, but it's not power as we normally understand it. There is a grace there and that we are given for who we should be and how we should be, and, and that's wonderful. And there is a peace there. That, yep, we know who we are. Thanks be to God. And with that, I would like you to stand and let's reaffirm who we are, saying the words of the United Church Creed. <clears throat> 